You're listening to Behind the Red Shield, a podcast produced by the Salvation Army of Memphis and the Mid-South. I'm your host, Camille Connor. The purpose of this podcast is to go behind the scenes and hear from the people doing the daily work to achieve the Salvation Army's mission, which is to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. In this episode, I sat down with Felicia Hayes, the Intensive Outpatient Program Director at the Purdue Center of Hope. We discussed her journey beginning as an intern at the Salvation Army, and we dive into the importance of mental health counseling for women overcoming trauma and addiction. Before we get into this episode, a content warning for listeners. This episode includes references to potentially triggering subject matters such as sexual assault of a child. If you would like to listen but want to avoid this portion, pause the episode at 14 minutes and 35 seconds and fast forward to 19 minutes and 35 seconds. If you need to reach out for help, please don't hesitate to contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Behind the Red Shield. Today, I am joined by the director of our intensive outpatient program, Felicia Hayes. Felicia, thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. Thank you for having me. And yeah, so as you know, the point of this podcast isn't just to only talk about, you know, the Salvation Army and what we do, but also the people that are helping to make um, our mission possible each and every day. And so I wanted to talk with you because while this episode might come out a little bit later after May, we are in uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And um, as the director of Intensive Outpatient, as of the intensive outpatient program, I know that you talk about mental health a lot, and I definitely want to dive into that. But first, I want to press rewind on kind of your journey with the Salvation Army. So from what I know, you've been with the Salvation Army for five years, right? Yes, I, I came to the Salvation Army in 2018 as an intern new to the city of Memphis and um, prayed about somewhere to do my internship and was led to the Salvation Army. But you know, nothing is coincidental. Um, I think it was God's divine purpose to send me here to the Salvation Army. Yeah, and um, what people may learn when they meet a lot of the leaders in our social services is that you've transitioned from other roles in the Salvation Army and grown and increased uh, your education and um, the services that you provide to the residents that reside at the Purdue Center of Hope. And so, like you said, five years you were uh, five years ago you were the an intern at the Salvation Army, and now for about three years you've been uh, the director of the intensive outpatient program program. So can you tell us a little bit more about what drove you to continue in um, that realm when it comes to helping women um, through counseling and those sorts of resources? Oh, yes. Uh, It's just so ironic that even growing up, I always had uh, women come to me for like (laughs) advice or what have you. And going from that to being 
uh, in the church and playing various roles in the church, um, that still was an ongoing thing. And so um, after going to school and receiving my bachelor's in human resource management, I realized that that wasn't it for me, that, you know, I had a, a bigger destiny to uh, that I was called to. And so um, thinking to myself one day that, you know, since I have so many women, so many teenagers, so many uh, young people coming to me for advice or help, and I felt, you know, they felt like I was easy to talk to, that maybe I'll just go ahead and pursue my career in counseling, um, not even thinking that I was going to do it on a such a wide scale. I was uh, doing it most so for the church because I know um, being a Christian at a young age, you know, uh, being in church and everything was just by prayer. And, uh, and I knew that it had to be something a little deeper than just prayer. People really needed someone to talk to and they really needed a safe place where they can um, out whatever they was going through with. And so that what uh, drove me to go back to school to get my career in counseling. Yeah. And I mean, so three years, um, with the Salvation Army in that area of expertise, uh, can you tell us what you know changed between um, your role as an intern and then your role with intensive outpatient and how that kind of changed your perspective on what the Salvation Army does and what it provides? Yes, uh, when I came in as an intern, I uh, didn't have no clue of what I wanted to do. I, I thought that I wanted to perhaps just do individual counseling, uh, but coming in and sitting in on the groups and having interaction with the groups, I failed to love that. And I was able to identify with what was going on with the women's. Um, you know, I think that everything that uh, I went throughout my life, um, you know, I was able to share a lot of that with them. I'm like, wow, I have more in common with the women than not. And so um, after doing that, I got hired on as a uh, monitor with um, New Direction, from New Direction, a case management uh, with Renewal Place. And from Renewal Place uh, down to the intensive outpatient program, uh, we had a current director that, um, you know, left uh, left IOP and uh, the slot was open and I was kind of thrust in it. <laughs> but um, like I said earlier, everything to me is divine. And so I think that I'm where I need to be for such a time as this. Yeah. And you feel like it happened for a reason, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of getting on the technical side, um, for people who may not know what intensive outpatient is or what an intensive outpatient program is, can you describe what that program is and the kind and the clients that we are serving in that program? Absolutely. The intensive outpatient program addresses addiction to mind and move altering substance, as well as emotional behavior, cognitive conditions. Our intensive outpatient program utilizes both group and individual counseling as a highly effective treatment approach to help our clients establish recovery from addiction and mental illness, while allowing enough freedom for our clients to maintain employment, family responsibilities, and their program expectation. We use the 12-step abstinence-based model, which address each client's physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. And so we pretty much 
help our clients. Many of our clients struggle with addiction and mental illness, co-occurrence disorder, as well as some other issues that's going on in their lives. And so we've talked a little bit about with other guests, um, the different um, shelter programs that we provide for women and children. As you said, they're facing several challenges that lead them to our programs. Um, one of them being renewal place program, the other being new directions. And so that makes up the, the mothers in those programs make up the majority of the clients that you're serving, right? Absolutely. Uh, we also receive some of the clients from the other programs, you know, that uh, are going through traumatic events as well, because we do have a adverse childhood trauma class that we have on Thursdays that help those clients as well. Yeah. And so I want to dive into that. You have a, a set kind of rotating schedule for the clients. Like you mentioned that there is a 12-step program, and I know daily um, you're having counseling sessions, group sessions in the IOP um, area, which is in the Purdue Center of Hope. So can you kind of talk about that schedule and the, the counseling sessions that are, uh, the residents are a part of? Yes, on Tuesdays. Tuesdays is our chemical dependency class, as well as relapse prevention class, and it's also a process group with that class. On Wednesdays, we have co-occurrence disorder, mental health, trauma-informed and a process group. On Thursdays, we have adverse childhood trauma, developing recovery and relapse prevention class. And we also have a health and wellness class on that on Thursdays that my group really love because we get an opportunity to go to the Croc Center. Mm -hmm. On Mondays is my intake process as well as individual counseling sessions. And I also have counseling sessions uh, individually throughout the week. Yeah. And so that makes me want to dive into uh, the mental health um, aspect of your work, because, you know, really for the last few years, I feel like any of us can talk about um, mental health challenges that we've really um, observed or been through or whatever it may be. So what are some of the challenges that you're finding that are sort of reoccurring in the patients that you are serving in IOP? Well, many of our clients come in um, pretty much like I was raised, um, depending on the ethnicity of, of the client that coming in, that, you know, mental health is not really mental health. Like I said earlier, you can pray about it or what have you. But uh, what I have come to learn is that there are untreated mental health issues and concerns that come in and people are not open to going getting the help that they need. But once they're in the group and they're able to see that other clients had the same ideals when they came in and they decided to go ahead and get the help that they need that and they feeling better and they're able to function better. And then it makes them want to go ahead and uh, go ahead and pursue uh, behavior help therapy as well as uh, some kind some countries, uh, and medications. Yeah. And so you refer um, clients to um the help that they need even outside of the shelter too. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, we only can, you know, give them tools to help them, but we can 
you know, connect them to com community resources like psychiatrists, behavior health therapies, you know, so they can get the med medication that they need. But we do give them coping strategies that they can use to help them to decrease depression and anxiety and, and things of that nature. Yeah. And so I want to ask a little bit more about uh, the coping strategies that you help provide them because, you know, we talk about, um, not just, you know, um, noticing when someone uh, needs help and, and temporarily um, serving them while they're in the shelter, but also trying to make sure and set them up for success after they leave the shelter. And so can you talk about some of the coping strategies that you try to instill in the clients at Producer of Hope that you hope um, sticks with them even when they're able, they're ready to transition to uh, the next point in their life. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we do, of course, breathing techniques always work. <laughs> no matter what you're going through with, if you just stop and, and do some breathing techniques that are help you to bring you to the here and the now. Uh, we try to give them self-soothing techniques as well. We try to make sure that they are connected to the community like Memphis Health Center, Tri-State, different other outlets where they'll be able to go and receive the behavior help therapy that they need. And also, you know, we're here because we know that psychotherapy is one of the main things, 90% um, or 80%. Uh, in my studies that I learned and we're able to talk about what's going on with us, that we're able to be uh, be able to facilitate them and uh, getting them the help that they need. Yeah. And so also, can you talk about, you know, one thing that our shelter tries to provide is for, you know, those basic needs being, you know, food, clothing, shelter, right? But in order to, you know, really help someone transform, addressing mental health is also very important. So can you talk about how important it is not just to address those basic needs, but mental health as well? Absolutely. One of the main things that I try to uh, encourage my clients with is, you know, I always give them a scenario. If you have high blood pressure or you have diabetes or even just a headache, you're going to take something to combat whatever you have going on physically. And so I try to let them uh, know that if you don't take care of your cognition, which is your brain and everything that is going on with that, it's going to affect your body. And so if you get that in line, if you get your emotional behavior in line, then you're able to think rationally. You're able to uh, even feel better. You're even able to have a clear thought of your next move. And so that's one of the things that I try, scenarios that I try to give my clients in group as well as my individual sessions. Being mom, a single mom is tough. Being homeless is, that's the worst thing, trauma for mom and children. But it, being here in this environment, it's, it's changed us. I'm very thankful for Salvation Army because it was actually really good um, to know that my children and I have a bed to sleep on. It's really helped me to gain a little bit more power to know that even as a single mom, I can still make it out here in this world.
Are there any, you know, encouraging stories that you can think of where, you know, a client might have just entered our shelter, um, just begun uh, attending counseling sessions in IOP and maybe isn't too open or isn't um, really ready to really um, share maybe the trauma that they've been in or it's been difficult for them to adjust to uh, their new circumstances. But then by the end of their counseling and the end of uh, their program, you've seen a real transformation. Are there any stories that you can share that really stick out in your mind over the time that you've been um, the director of IOP? Yes, I have. I have so many clients that come in that have uh, haven't dealt with being molested. And, um, you know, just sitting there and um, listening to other guests being able to be open about what happened to them. Uh, I could think about a particular client. Of course, I can't um, say their names, but they came in and, and not only were they molested all of their um, childhood, um, they actually it was an incest situation until 30 years old and um, not wanting to share that. And I was working overnight um, to fill in one night and the client couldn't sleep. And so when she realized that I was on site, she wanted to come in and see because she opened up with me because she was ashamed about opening up, about having a whole relationship with her father, um, you know, as an adult. And so once she came in and, and she talked with me and we talked and we cried and, and, you know, I had to help her understand that, you know, you still was violated. Mm-hmm. You were, that was a modern behavior before you, you were still violated. You don't, you know, I know it's going to take a while for you to get through the shame, the pain and the hurt. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, your innocence was stolen from you. Mm-hmm. And that client went on after that, we build a, a close relationship. That client went on to receive her GED. She went on to receive her nurses aid certificate. She went on to receive uh, uh, going to RN school, stable housing. Her child was able to thrive. She's thriving and she's always coming back and reporting to me. And, and just so thankful that she was able to finally you know, uh, let that skeleton fall out of her closet and take the power back from her predator. And that story always stick out to me. Yeah, because I know you and so many other uh, directors in our um, social service program talk about the producer of hope being a place of safety and taking away that judgment so that people can uh, free themselves of those sorts of burdens, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because a lot of our clients, they feel like it was they, their fault. Mm-hmm. And uh, once they are, are in group and connecting with other women's, with other stories, and, and to me, myself, you know, I share my uh, story with, with the ladies a lot. And so that's why, um, you know, they feel free to be able to open up and to take the power back from their traumatic situations. Mm-hmm. Hearing from other people too, not just yourself and, and making those uh, connections and realizing you're not alone, like really makes a huge difference, right? Absolutely, because you already know the main thing that um, I say our, our brain bully us um, mm-hmm. is about we're the only one 
or mm-hmm. nobody else is going through what we're going through. And uh, and I tell them that a lot, you know, and they be like, it's like an aha moment to them. Yeah. And I just also kind of want to touch on uh, the effects of trauma too. Um, what are some ways that you address some of the trauma um, that the women have faced um, when they enter our shelter and how do you help them kind of overcome that trauma as well? Well, of course we use soft hands here because we don't want to re-traumatize mm-hmm. all of the women's because sometimes when you can, when you come in a commune environment, right. you can re-traumatize a person. So getting to know my clients, but I always use a scenario in my trauma informed class, you know, like getting dyeing your hair and uh, a rinse versus a real hair dye. Mm-hmm. Uh, a rinse you get on your hand, you you may be able to wash that rinse off of your hand one or two times. And, and that can be a, a small traumatic event that you go through with. You're able to get over it. But then there are some traumatic events in our lives that are deeply stained. And we have to keep working on it and keep working on it and keep working on it. It may not completely come off our hands or it may not uh, completely disappear but the more we work on it the less power it have over our lives and that helped my clients a lot yeah that's great and and important and and, and just so uh important to recognize in yourself so that you can move forward like you said and so um, before we go, I just have, you know, one more question about intensive outpatient program. What are your hopes for the program moving forward? Well, my hopes for the program is that we will continue to um, touch as many lives as we can and that we will continue to have uh, so many more success stories and also, you know, being able to serve the community. That is a hope for me coming soon. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, be a, um, a resource for me- women that are in the community that, that are not at the Purdue Center of Hope. Although we do have aftercare after our women's leader program, they are able to still come here and use IOP as a resource. Um, however, we would like to serve the community to be a resource for outside women to come in. That's my hope and goals for the intensive outpatient program. And I hope to see all of those things happen as well for the program. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Felicia. I look forward to seeing you again uh, through the hallways of the Purdue Center of Hope. And just so everyone knows, Felicia is always dressed to the tens too. (laughs) Every day, always. (laughs) But thank you for joining us for this episode. Thank you so much. That wraps up this week's episode of Behind the Red Shield. If you'd like to learn more about the Salvation Army of Memphis and the Mid-South, you can head to our website at SalvationArmyMemphis.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Salvation Army Memphis. Thanks for listening.